What is going on, everyone? It is me, the Lone Vault Wanderer, and we are here with episode 99 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And this is Carrick with ACG. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, so it's just Carrick and I this week because Maddie. I, I can't even remember what Maddie said. He's doing packs or something. Is that correct? Something small. Something that doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you, YouTube stuff. I remember last yeah. time he wasn't a- able to make it, and I said YouTube stuff, even though he was at a review event. So I don't think this is super secret, but he's at a... I think he's at PAX. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I'm actually uploading this to his channel, hence the background picture. I ha- At this time, I haven't decided what the background picture will be, but I'm going to try and make it as funny as possible. <laughs> to, to embarrass Make it a Nintendo a picture and see if they copyright it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch first, so Sometimes. who knows? All right, and obviously, uh, Carrick and I, we've both had the Nintendo Switch since launch, so Mm -hmm. we want to talk about it a little bit, talk about our experiences, and first, Carrick, I I just want to know, generally, we can get into the the specifics uh, in a bit, but just generally, what are your your thoughts with the Nintendo Switch? I just had a bit of indigestion there. Excuse me. Um, That's all right. So... There's, there's, I actually like the way it feels in your hand. Like when you're just, you know, it's one of those systems that you could sit in bed and play it for a while before you fall asleep, that kind of stuff. I I think that form factor wise, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I I actually really do like it in its, in its normal portable form. Um, I, I have the pro controller and then I also use their generic, whatever. I don't know what that controller thing is that they put in there that you can take the joy cons off and and connect to. They just call it Um, the grip. (laughs) <laughs> they call it the grip. There you go. The grip. We got the grips. And you know what? The grips, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. It it worked at, at well as well. Like I yeah. wasn't actually, uh, you know, playing it going, oh, no, I can't play Zelda this way or anything like that. So the the thing that bothers me, I'm just being brutally honest, dude. I, I'm completely the, – the battery life is unacceptable. And that's the one – of all the things that bother me on this system, it's the battery life. It, so, it is ridiculous. So battery life for anyone that don't, doesn't know. And I want to actually know your experiences with this. They, uh, Nintendo alleged that it's up to six hours with any use. But if you're playing Legend of Zelda constantly, that'll last you about three hours. Is that what you're right. finding? Yeah, and it's longer to charge it. So basically, it's about 3.5 hours to charge, and it mm. lasts about 2 hours and 50 minutes to 3 hours if you're playing Zelda. So technically, your charge takes longer than the playtime does. And I get that it's a powerful system, but yeah, that that bothers me. Hopefully, we'll see somebody mod something, you know. Well, it, the, I mean, the other week, it's funny that you mentioned it because I bought a battery pack, and I've been experimenting with different amperages. I don't know if the conventions are different from Australia and, and North America, but I will say that our the AC adapter for the Nintendo Switch is about 2.6 amps, and that'll mm-hmm. charge it as you play, although very, very slowly. Now mm-hmm. I, I have one at home that's also 2.4 amps, and that'll actually lose charge as you're playing Legend of Zelda. Oh. It'll it'll, wow. it'll keep the charge up once you're like in the menus or something, but you'll very, very sl- slowly lose charge with a 2.4 amp AC adapter. And then I bought a 3.4 amp uh, mm-hmm. battery pack, and that will charge it just fine. So it seems that that 2.6 amp, the AC adapter for the Nintendo Switch, is just enough to charge it as you go. So if anyone does have a Nintendo Switch and is looking to buy a battery pack, you need a big battery pack, at the very least, obviously, that has at least 3.4 amps out of one of the USB ports. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, like, that's the, of all the complaints I have, that's the one that mm-hmm. continually sticks with me, 
it yeah. is is the battery life is just insane you know it's interesting for me because the way i've been playing it is you know just on the train of work every day and maybe mm-hmm. i'll get up to 30 minutes one way of play time so that battery life hasn't necessarily affected me in, in a way that it's probably affected you um so i can see if, if you're just commuting or if you're just going to a friend's house or something, it might not be an inhibiting factor. Although I do have an external battery pack, so any time it gets to like 30 20%, I'll just plug that bad boy in and, and it's fine. Um, but my general thoughts, like you, I, I like the feel of it. I think the screen looks really good, although one very nitpicky yeah. thing for me, it's super reflective. I don't know if you've tried to play it in the sunlight. <laughs> it is. No, it's a mirror, dude. It's it, a mirror. It is a mirror, right? Like, I, I remember yeah. I, was, I was in my car and my girlfriend was driving. We're going back home. Um, mm-hmm. And it, like, we were in a car, so we weren't in like, necessarily direct sunlight. But it was still at times very difficult to see that screen even on full brightness. And I would have to tilt it in different angles. And it's funny because... Whenever it's like a dark moment in Legend of Zelda, like if you're in a cave or a temple or something, that's when you can like see your face. But if it's a bright open landscape, it's not as bad. But generally, yeah, the screen is very reflective. And compared to like my phone, for example, it is much more difficult to see even in indirect sunlight. So if you want to be taking this outside, you you better hope that it's not too sunny or if it's a cloudy day, that's really when you're going to be able to see it correctly. Um, Yeah, battery life hasn't been that much of an issue for me. The one thing that I've been having issue with is the left fucking Joy-Con. <laughs> like, oh, you have sync issues? I do have sync issues. Oh, gotcha. It's um, so like you said, the the Joy Cons in the Joy Con grip. I I like it. It actually feels okay. For a while, I thought I don't actually need to get a Pro controller, even though I eventually did. But that's because of sync exactly. issues, right? But the first moment, because I was playing in handheld mode for for the weekend, and then the first moment I connected it to my TV, I'm thinking. This doesn't feel right. Like Link is just not moving every now and again. He always moving of, of his own volition, and then falling off a cliff or something. And I think, what is going on? And then I realized I did a bit of research, and people saying that they have left Joy-Con issues, which I thought were resolved from the day one patch that I downloaded. And I tried everything to resolve it, but to this day, even after two left Joy-Con replacements, so it doesn't seem to be a specific hardware issue. I still have the the input lag. So sometimes I'll try and move left or forward and either he just won't move or it'll take a while. And sometimes when he's moving, Link that is, he just won't stop moving after I release the, the joystick. So right. I've been having those issues, which I just got a pro controller to not deal with that. And apparently it's down to like the, the shape and the positioning of the antenna in the left joy. Correct. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, there was a video of somebody taking it apart. And this is one of the things I do. Uh, a lot of uh, RC cars, transmitters, mm. receivers, I mess around with this stuff all the time. And I can tell you that if you're trying to get something in a form factor like Nintendo has, you know, yeah. really small, there's certain things you want to make sure that it can't. It, and you'll see this on the back of a lot of electronics. They'll be like, you, this electronic device cannot, you know, cause interference, blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. And so what happens is you have to be good enough to pick up the signal, but not be too good. Or not be too broadcast heavy that you're causing interruptions with like people's TV remotes and shit, you know, yeah. all, all, all that kind of stuff. And so it, it is most likely that. And I, I, I think when you look at it, it just whether it was a testing issue or what, I think that unfortunately it's hit enough people because Kutaku actually did talk to, I guess, Nintendo admitted that, yeah, we do know that there's issues with those because Kutaku had a little story a couple days ago about it. Yeah. So at least Nintendo knows. But it's going to be very weird to see if they try to fix that with a 
patch because I mean you can adjust some stuff, but signal strength. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a little nervous about it to be honest. Well, the thing is, like, it, I think it's obvious that you you can do something with a patch. That day one patch seemed to have fixed the issue, at least for a lot of people that had the the pre or like the review code, whatever whatever you want to call it, um, Nintendo Switches. But again, for some people like me, are still having issues and. Because I've replaced the Joy-Con, left Joy-Con twice now, it's obviously not down... It, it's, if it's an issue, it's an issue with everyone's left Joy-Con. And maybe sp- some people have experienced it and other people haven't just because of different layouts of different people's rooms and, and apartments and houses. So mm-hmm. for me, for example, I ha- I'm sitting relatively far back from the TV. I've got a couch. I've got a, a coffee table in between. And then I've got my Xbox One. I've got my Steam Link. I've got different devices. So mm-hmm. that kind of environment could just be leading to a, a bad sync issue. Whereas some other people, like Maddie for example, who might have his TV closer to his Nintendo Switch, just haven't been having those issues. So some people just experience it, some people don't, but I think it's a universal issue with every left Joy-Con, because I I can't fathom the chances of me replacing two left Joy-Cons and having the exact same defect or or dud Joy-Cons. I don't think that's possible. Uh, No, I mean, and I definitely agree with you because the people that i know only about nine people have uh switches that i know but eight of them have sync issues including myself so it's all i I think it's pretty much i i mean i i don't think anybody's really looking at this assuming that it's a bunch of people with mass hypnosis i think (laughs) you know i mean it, it is an issue with the switch and they do need to fix it they do need to figure out what's going on yeah um and then of course make sure people like yourself are financially you know in some way reimbursed for it well, I, again, I had to buy the, the Pro Controller just to, to get around those sync issues, which obviously with the yeah. Pro Controller, there's been absolutely no sync issues, and it's the much more c- comfortable controller to use. Right, it's, yeah. Especially when you're playing Zelda and you have the D-pad, it's just, it's just much, much, much better to use. But what are your other thoughts about the Nintendo Switch? Let, let's, let's talk about the games, right? We know Breath of the Wild is, is phenomenal, at least I think it's phenomenal. What do you think about Breath of the Wild? Well, real quick, I want to say one more thing that mm. slightly bothers me. Mm. Real quick before we move to games. The right thumbstick, when you're holding it in mobile form, is a little too low for me. Yes! My okay, hand cramps so, up. Yeah, my hand cramps up. So <laughs> I have tried to hold it like 11 different ways, and I've been talking to people on another podcast going like, am I, is, are my hands just, am I deformed? What's you're, going on? You're and every right. person says that, that, that there's something slightly odd about the the right joysticks thumbs thumb pad and where it is a thumbstick and where it is that's that it just it's just off enough to make me in zelda let's say mm. have a little like have to move it down and and sort of hold it weird no so um, sometimes when i'm holding it in handheld mode as you said I, I find myself not with the left one but with the right one having right. to move the positioning because my hand is just cramping up very, very slightly. It's not like a, a massive issue because I'll nope, just slightly nope. move my hand and then, you know, I'll keep playing. But every now and again, I'm like, yeah, it's just it's just somewhat un- uncomfortable, the positioning. So, I don't know, maybe yeah. it's because we have bigger hands. I don't know. What it the could issue. be. I think I think also it's just they've, they've done a minimalist form, right? They've yeah. tried to make it as small as possible but still have a nice big screen. And I yeah. think that we're looking at a situation where any smaller would be obviously cramped up in all ways and so they made it just big enough yeah. that people can play it for a certain amount of time without having issues and that's fine and mm. and you know the, their test pattern could have been let's test people for 30 minutes 45 minutes three hours eight hours and they were like let's throw out the eight because of the battery and stuff let's let's look at these other time frames and they decided that it was okay even if people did 
um, report issues. Yeah. Uh, when it when it comes to games, I think Zelda's okay. I, I'm only about 25 hours into it, so maybe it like I, I, as as I said recently, maybe at 27 it suddenly becomes something different. But yeah. um, when it comes to games, uh, I really like it, but I'm not. I haven't been like ta da like mm. some people have. Uh, well, look, I've been really enjoying the Switch ride so far, and that's because I've had a game that I really love, being Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild, and I'm sure many other people are in that same scenario. My issue is, because Breath of the Wild, not, not really an issue, it's just more of a query, once Breath of the Wild is, is completed by a lot of people, given that it is so long, like up to 40, 50 hours, what happens then? What happens to people's right. opinions of the Switch then? when they their favorite game or one of the big blocks actually that probably the only big block blockbuster game on that switch now what happens to people's opinions of the switch then you know d- does the the lineup of games on the switch start to become much more apparent when that game is completed oh and i think so i mean i know that uh i think it was boogie and shinobi both were posting that like they're playing skylanders and they like that because the way it works you okay. don't need a portal and so you've got a Skylanders title, which which like it or hate it, a lot of people like it, and it's a yeah, fairly fair popular, yeah. you know, fairly popular title. But it is just a port, and so that's I think what you're looking at is when 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 we stop talking about Zelda and one of the next big games is a port, yeah. that is an issue. Yeah. And it's it's an issue with Sony and Microsoft every time they release a console. So I don't think it's unfair to to ding Nintendo for the same thing. Oh, I, I think personally, not. it's got some issues with its library for sure. Well, the thing is, when I first bought, bought my Xbox One, I distinctly mm-hmm. remember there being a lack of games. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anyone's saying that, oh, you know, they ha- should have more games. It's a, it's a new console launch. I think that the the amount of games... If they didn't have Zelda, obviously that's a, a big no-no. But I think right. the amount of games that are there now is just enough to, to satisfy people, uh, people's thirst for lack of a better phrase, until there's the next big game. And I think the next big game is Mario Kart, which I know is an older game, but many people that are just getting back into Nintendo games will be fine with Mario Kart for, you know, until the next big launch. Um, my thing is that, yes, Breath of the Wild, I absolutely love it. I think it's probably on par to the feelings that I had when I was playing Ocarina of Time as a kid. Very cool. But very cool. I, I really do believe that the virtual console needs to come back very, very soon. Um and that's, and I know people are saying that they're old games, Nintendo needs to focus on new games. I get that, but the Nintendo Switch is meant to be Nintendo's way of bringing back a lot of fans that maybe haven't purchased a Nintendo console for many years. And a virtual console is the perfect way to either allow you to replay a game you haven't played in 10 years, or just to replay Nintendo games that you actually, also play Nintendo games you actually haven't played because you haven't owned a console since the Wii, or maybe even before that. So I think the virtual console is absolutely crucial to come back soon. Well, yeah, and if you look at, I mean, every console is different, right? Like Xbox is doing backwards compatibility, and it, they have their specific things that they offer to gamers. PS4 has their specific things, yeah. and Nintendo Switch has its. And one of the Switches, personally for me, one of the one of the things that are most important is the virtual console. Yeah. Because that you, you can't say, oh, look at the awesome IPs these guys have, and then not say, I want the virtual console. Like, th- those two yeah. things don't combine. You can't say it's great, but I don't want to play them. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, then you're collecting memories instead of actual, you know, instead of actually experiencing it. So I think it should happen as soon as humanly possible. I'm actually surprised we don't see it day one. 
And it's interesting. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that it was intentional, but you, you can't deny that when the virtual console eventually comes, it's going to be another positive boost for the, for the Switch. And people right. are going to suddenly be a bit more interested, especially if... Like, I, I don't know how they're going to trickle out the games with the virtual console, but at the very least, if they have some big Nintendo 64, big SNES, big NES titles on there, maybe even from the Wii or even the GameCube, like, I think that would be awesome. Could you imagine having... Uh, uh, fuck, what's that Zelda game from the GameCube? It's Wind Waker. Uh, Imagine having Wind Waker. Wind Waker right? My favorite one. It's yeah, my favorite no, that, that would be... And I, I think Wind Waker would be perfect for the Nintendo Switch. It's a great fit. Oh, yep, yep. And it doesn't Wind Waker really, at least to me, Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild feel like spiritual successors of... Like, I don't know if it's the look, it's the art style, but for some reason, this new one just looks or feels like Wind Waker. And I'm not 100% sure why, Um Maybe but it is it, the artistic style because it's it not be. really, it's more on the stylized and the realistic side. Right, right. And yeah, I, I, I just am a little, I mean, every company has their own idea for how they want to roll out PR and how they want to roll out timing. Yeah. But it certainly does, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily bode well that, that we're all excited about virtual console. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> like, sorry, but that's, I, it should have been day one. We should be, ex- like, it should be a feature ad, not a, replacement yeah uh you know for for true titles and, and see this is the thing it that, that goes back to what i was talking about you know us being i guess most people being happy with breath of the wild once mm-hmm. that's finished we're, we're going to start to notice the somewhat scarcity of it being it's a launch console of course there's scarcity of games but the virtual console is going to be a great way and i hate using this term but it's filler it's going to be great filler yeah, in between major right. releases, like waiting until the next Super Mario or waiting until Mario Kart or even Skyrim if you're going to be playing it on the Switch. The virtual console is going to be a great way to pass the time. Yeah, and in, in all honesty, I mean, I we now know like backwards compatibility matters. You know, people have, for oh, a long time yeah. have been like, how, how long have we heard this where it's like, oh, people talk about it, but no one will actually use it. And it's like Xbox has shown and PS4 now or whatever the, the version that they have that's streaming, yeah. people do actually want to play those old games. So, it, I mean, it, it is filler. It is. It is filler. It's filler on the Xbox and it's filler on the PS4 as well. But it, it, at, it filler matters more when there's a lot of gap to fill. And mm. Nintendo Switch at this particular time has a massive gap, um, especially when you're looking at newer console versions that it's going up against. See, it's not just going up against the PS4 and the Xbox One anymore. It's going up against PS4 Pro mm-hmm. and the Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And when people start looking at prices and start seeing, oh, every game works on these new consoles, plus new ones will look better, or we can get the Switch, which has one good game right now. Yeah. It, it's That's a difficult sell for like a family member, maybe to buy a present for somebody. There's... There's there's a lot of thoughts that go into it, and, and we we'll t- were we'll touching on this on a, a couple of podcasts back. You know, for, uh, for people like us that you know can buy a Switch, can buy an Xbox One, PS4, right? Th- that's not the issue here. The issue is with people that have a certain amount of money that can only stand to purchase one console. So yeah. imagine someone that doesn't have any console, for example, and might have a limited am- amount of money, has been saving up pocket change, whatever. And is saying, all right, what's the better proposition now? Is it the Xbox One, the PS4, or the the Nintendo Switch? It it depends on who you are. Like, do you value being able to take your games on the go? Do you go to a friend's house? Do you go, do you commute a lot? But even then, do you still play more at home? And if so, what kind of games do you want to have access to? And that kind of purchasing decision is going to be made much easier once the virtual console in, once there's newer games. And dare I say, maybe once there's a newer version of the Nintendo Switch out, that's 
bit more powerful, that has a bit better battery life, that uses the new NVIDIA, what's the, the newer model? It's not the Tegra X, it's the next one up. The it's, Maxwell. I thought it was a, a Maxwell, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, again, I, I think that the Nintendo Switch, has, it's, it's a great launch, and I think it's got, obviously like with any new console, it's got a couple of years to go to really show its stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, dev- I mean... It's, and that's what's unfortunate when you think about it. It's like uh, it, it always feels weird to me when we talk about this industry because I'm involved in some others. For example, like if I were to buy a car and it were, it could only go 50 and then the next year it could go 60 and the <laughs> next year it could go 70, I would be completely, absolutely beside myself and I would hate everything about it. And it's yeah. weird that our industry is an industry of piecemealing out to consumers. It's like we're going to you're going to have a system that when it's released has barely anything and maybe doesn't work so well and then it's it's that iteration which it's cool because it can also offer some amazing gameplay changes as yeah. as titles or as the consoles uh, iterate as as new things are developed but at the same time it's a weird industry when you look at it if you're involved in any other industry and I do airsoft for example if i bought a a gun in airsoft and it only had semi-automatic and then next year it was upgraded to full auto. Like I would be, wait, what? Like that's mm. a, that should just work. And that, that's, that's what happens with these consoles all the time. Like it's sad. We're not having a new discussion here. You know, like Xbox one, like you said, when that came out, it's like, hmm, there's not much PS4. Hmm, there's not much like, and, and it, it doesn't work so well or <laughs> I don't mm. know. It's just, it's like a victim mentality a little bit that we all have. And I mean, I think we accept it, but I certainly don't think it's very consumer friendly for mm. a lot of people. Well, with the Xbox One, for example, right now, c- try and compare the feature set of the Xbox One now oh, yeah. to, yeah. to what it was at launch. I mean, right. I get, there's such a huge disparity. I get what you're saying. Um, and and now you were to buy an Xbox One, it's even cheaper than what it was at launch. And, and, I and guess, it does more. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, and I guess that's kind of the growing pains, and I saw a lot of people commenting about this, of being a, a day one buyer, especially of new hardware. Right. It, I think it's something that... <laughs> You you said that we you know we we, we I, I can't remember the specific phrase but we kind of just just move on because because it's a day yeah. one console we understand that and we're willing just just to play the new Zelda just to experience this new console we're willing to experience and go through those growing pains the thirst it, is real brother yeah no exactly no exactly right <laughs> we'll deal with it because we really want to play Zelda <laughs> that's that's the exact Halo. point. <laughs> It's like Halo. Oh my God, Halo's coming out. I'm gonna play my Xbox One that just randomly doesn't, you know, work or read discs. <laughs> For example, my Xbox One original. I don't know if anybody remembers, but they had a ton of problems with the original Xbox One not reading discs. You would get it, and you would have to. There was actually videos on how to get it to read discs because sometimes it wouldn't what? suck the disc all the way in. Yeah, yeah. And I've got an Xbox One that does that, and it's so funny. But people were like, they, you know, they, it, it didn't. It sucked, but they were like, oh. I'll, I'll work around it because there's this, you know, one particular title that they wanted to play. <laughs> it's just you know, at the times, thirst is real, man. <laughs> at, at, at times, it's it's kind of, I guess, refreshing to see how understanding gamers can be. But of sure. course, there is a limit. Of, of course, there is a limit. Like, for example, going back to the hardware with the Nintendo Switch, I know that a lot of people have been experiencing scratching on the screen when you're docking yeah. and undocking, right? And if I yeah. didn't have a screen protector... I would have those scratches. I, I do see the somewhat scuff marks in the bottom left and the bottom right of my Switch as I'm docking it in. And that's just... like I, I, I don't know why I just had this kind of mentality. When I first saw the, the dock, I thought there must be some sort of felt or some sort of nice material to protect the screen as it's docking in because they're doing it so smoothly on the ads and, and on the demos 
But now right. when I'm putting it in, I'm just fucking holding it on for dear life and making sure it doesn't touch the, the dock because it's hard plastic. And I put felt in. I oh, actually did, did exactly. Yeah, uh, I, 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 there, there, you can buy them off Amazon, little, little tabs of felt. And I just got the, the thinnest tabs I possibly could and put them in there. And that, that works fine. But uh, I hate the idea that when I buy the Switch, I need a pro controller because the Switch left Joy-Con doesn't work. And I need a screen protector because it scratches the screen. <laughs> yeah. But although, I mean, like, weird. because it is a, something that you, you're taking on the go, screen protector is, ab- I'll just hit my mic, is absolutely oh, it's, essential, yeah. right? It, it's like, with, right. A, it's like yeah. with a mobile phone. But that being said, you wouldn't expect to need a screen protector when you're using it in the dock. That, <laughs> right? that, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a different proposition. So, and, and I don't know, I, I saw some rumors about how Nintendo took the dock off of their online store for some reason. They did. So they do you did, know yeah. what that was about? No, actually, it's funny you mention that, though, but because yesterday I got online and there, I think it was NeoGAF, I can't remember, one of the forums I, I'm subscribed to, and I saw that thread and people were like, they just took the dock off of the stores, and I have no clue why, no, I, but I did see the news. Well, some people have said that the new docks that they've bought are, are a bit more of a snug fit, like they're not all the right or the same size, so oh, I don't know, wow. I, I, I don't really know, because my, my dock is like... If you put the switch in there, it's somewhat... There's a lot of movement. There's not a lot of movement, but you can move it back and forth quite a bit. Um, Mine as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know if someone's bought another dock and thought, wow, this is really snug. It's adding to my sc- scratching on the screen. So I don't wow. know. Like- I ugh, I didn't even think of that, dude. Um, mine does move a lot. And yeah, so if it's any tighter, that would cause... Yeah, I wouldn't want it to be tighter than it is right now. Well, what I'm doing now is as I move it out of the and in and out of the dock, I actually I'd prefer it, it to kind of scrape along the back of the switch as opposed to the front. Right. If there's if there's scratches on the back, eventually I'll get over it because I'm not seeing it all the time. But if I had a major scratch on my actual screen, fucking hell, I, I'd be so annoyed with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, you know, it is mobile, so. Uh, screen protector is probably pretty much your your first purchase for most folks anyway. Yeah. I think one of the problems that a lot of people had with screen protectors is Hori, H-O-R-I, or Hori, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. They're one of the major manufacturers, yeah. and they, they made a mistake on their uh, on their Switch's uh, screen protectors, and they're, they're terrible. And so, like, wow. on Amazon, they've got, like, a, half of a star, and people are like, whoa, this is not up to their normal quality, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God. The fact that you now have to go, okay, I need a projector. Now I got to go find, I got to go check to see like if this one actually works with the new system. I got to put felt in the dock. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it is a weird time that we live in, man. And another weird thing as well, when I, because I got the travel case, uh, the standard travel case for the Nintendo yeah. Switch, right. works fine and it comes with a screen protector. And then mm-hmm. when you start using it and think, well, I never want to touch the screen on this. I mean, look at the fingerprints. So now you start looking into screen protectors with anti-fingerprint coating. And then you think, wow, the screen's really protective. Maybe I need a screen protector with anti-glare technology or, you know, a, a matte material. There's yeah. just so many things that you start <laughs> to, to realize. And like, this is all growing pains. And, and it's what you said before. I think a, a lot of gamers are willing to push through this because... In many other regards, Nintendo has been doing very well with this console. I mean, the fact that yeah. I can go to my console in a couple of minutes and access the Japanese store, that's fucking huge. That's absolutely massive. Like, when would we have been able to do that with a Nintendo console back in the day? 
Yeah, I mean, they've made they've made some inroads. We don't know how many of these were made because they knew they had issues, but mm. they've made they've definitely had some inroads to the consumer that are pretty that are pretty cool, um, especially stuff like that, which just has not been. I mean, it's sort of a known secret that the Xbox One you can do that, but um, yeah. with with like Nintendo stuff, it's it's always been either impossible or some kind of strange hassle. So it's very cool that they've added that. Yeah. So what are your final opinions on this day, at this stage on the Switch? It's okay. I'm not in love with it though. I would. Yeah. I mean, I don't do scores, but I would say it's it's middling or above. Um, it's got enough little issues that, and, and the right thumbstick now that I mentioned it to you. And then the more we've been talking, I've been looking at it cause it's right in front of me. And I'm like, it dawned on me just now how often I'm adjusting because of that. Um, I think that for somebody with smaller hands, cause I got mitts, like I got catcher mitts for hands. Yeah, so, so, I, so I think that for some people with smaller hands, it probably works fine, but for, it is cool because here's the thing, dude, like I wish they had marketed this differently loan because if they had marketed it just like, hey, here's a handheld that occasionally works at home, it's very powerful. Yes, battery life sucks, but it's very powerful. It's got a pretty insane game, Legend of Zelda, or mm. Zelda. Um, I think that some people who are having so many issues with it might have looked at it a little bit differently because because mm. once you dock it, Zelda's frame rate does tank. It does. And no? stu- it, yeah. it does. And, and I think that it would be best if they were just like, oh, and you can also plug it into your TV instead mm. of that being a major selling point. Well, it was interesting that you say that because I now specifically remember the time or the area in the game. So I was heading towards Kakarika Village. You climb up mm-hmm. this big cliffside and then there's this forest. And I was playing it on my handheld and, and killing enemies in this forest and thinking, all right, cool. I'm going to swap to the TV. As mm. soon as I swapped to that TV, that frame rate dropped in that specific yeah. fr- forest. Nowhere else yeah. in that in that close vicinity. But that area, it just tanked. And it's obviously when there's a lot of particle effects and... and uh, enemies in, in the alpha. area, but uh, there's a lot of alpha and transparencies that it, it switch is certainly not powerful enough to do. Mm, but like, and handheld because people have been saying on handheld mode that the switch runs really well, and whether it's down to you know it being a 720p screen, so it's matching the frame rate. Frame rate. I I actually prefer to play this thing on the go. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, over, I don't know. Overall, though, I, I am enjoying the Switch at the, at the moment. There are growing pains, but I went through the or very similar growing pains with the Xbox One. And now it's an yeah. amazing console. And I'm, and I'm going to, because of that, I'm going to hold out on the Switch. Wait to see when the Virtual Console comes. Wait to see what games are on the Virtual Console. How many right. third parties support this thing? Because in the end, what's really going to matter is software and nothing else. Yeah, and also, I mean, for me especially, like, Dude, it, it, it for handhelds. If you just compare it to other handhelds, maybe the 3DS oh, probably is better. Us. But I I think it kicks ass as a handheld. Like yeah. if you're if if that's all you're going to use this as, uh, and you've got a good battery pack like you do, um, you've got a system that is pretty freakishly powerful for a handheld. Yeah, and 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 works very well in that particular arena. I mm. think. Yeah, definitely. So. Maybe in a couple of weeks we'll do another rundown of the Switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. once more. Once games Zelda's out. over. <laughs> no, <laughs> or, I, I, I think that's oh, important. Oh. I think that's a very important point because once Me I too. finish Zelda, which is going to fucking take forever, but uh, once that does happen, 
If I don't have an intent, if the virtual console there, I don't know what I want to do with it because for for me, there's nothing else to play, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. So the second topic that we have for today's podcast is essentially the last six months of gaming and Carrick mentioned this in our chat. Do you want to go into a bit more detail what you wanted to talk about with this? Yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion on. So we, we talk about the last three months, especially for Sony with uh, Neo and, and, and all the other games that have just come. But what's strange or what's cool to me is that if you look at the fall last year, you had Microsoft as well with Horizon and, and, and various different ge- Horizon 3, uh, various different games that they've done, Gears. Yeah. And I, I was just looking at the last six months. I was like, OK, I'm going to look at the last six months and just look at games, PC, Xbox, uh, uh, PS4 and just and just see what we can see. And yeah. it's dude, it's fucking it is, it's pretty insane mm-hmm. when you have an argument between Battlefield one and Titanfall two. Yes, I, it's like it's like, who's the better girlfriend? They're both hot. And <laughs> that's and, and, and nice, by the way, because I know people be like, oh, he cares about his looks, which is true. Uh, but no, seriously, when you when you look at this situation, man, it, it, it if you asked me when this has been repeated, when a six month period like this has been repeated, there is one particular time that a lot of developers and a lot of publishers and well, a lot of gamers will talk about, which is when um, when the 360 had Bioware, uh, Bazaar and Bungie, they mm-hmm. had the three B's and they had that one Shane Kim had that one like one year period where it was like they had a bunch of specific for 360 titles. This is the industry, though. And you look at the entire industry, th- that's the last time I can remember a six months that is this fucking awesome. It's so awesome that we forget how awesome it is. Like, we forget that, that Titanfall 2 is insane. We forget that Battlefield 1 is insane. We just look at Neo or we look at Horizon. We forget that uh, Horizon, for many people, Forza Horizon 3 was insane. Like, it's, it's fucking, it's awesome, man. But you know what it is? When a new game comes out, everyone raves about it. It's, it's amazing. But just because of how the internet works... One or two weeks passes on, and we're looking on to yeah. the next thing, and we don't realize, as you said, how many great games there actually have been in the past six months. Titanfall 2's campaign was amazing, and people that yeah. haven't played that fucking campaign, I highly recommend doing so. Battlefield 1 was also fun as well. Resident Evil 7, I'm having a blast. Oh, dude, even I it's forgot. I forgot Resident Evil. You Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, dude, it's, it's insane. That's the thing, is you could sit there, and I bet you you could say 20 games, and of those... I might have reviewed some of them even, but your brain is almost like numb with awesome. <laughs> like, Honestly. There, it, it's, and I just think it's a time to where there's a lot of bad shit in the industry. But if there is one thing I take away, it's that the last six months um, has been pretty fucking phenomenal. Well, let's put like, it this just way, right? Really D- just, just to actually try and get some numbers around this. If you go to Metacritic, the last 90 days, just the last 90 days, there are sure. over 40 games, and there are some duplicates here, but over 40 games that have an 80 or above Metacritic score. Right. Th- that's, that's pretty decent, right? And you're looking at some of these games, I mean, For Honor is on there, we can talk about that, because I've been l- liking the, the campaign for For Honor, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Near Automata, you've got uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, you've got Neo, you've got Resident Evil. Like, how many great games have come out, like, really? Yeah, and so I guess to me, it's also the fact that, you know, one, we can be numb to it. Two, we might not like a game somebody else likes, whatever. Yeah. But if you look at it as an industry, if you look at the industry, um, even expansions, um, for example, I'll mention again, but Forza Horizons Blizzard Mountain expansion mm. literally took that game to a complete. That's an expansion. Like that's that's how good games like 
there's something very cool about that. It's very cool mm. to be able to say this expansion is so good because I'm going to be brutally honest. Most of the time when I talk about DLC, I'm not very happy about it. Yeah. And DLC and, and even that we've seen is incredible. Also, let's remember, this has been a fairly, I would say, a slightly more critical time from a lot of reviewers towards games. There's been a lot of games that haven't scored very well that I think if we looked at them two years ago would have. And so now that we see these awesome scores, we start to see that, you know, I mean, even the reviewers themselves are looking at a lot of these titles and going, whoa, there's there's some pretty serious quality. Mm. And, and at times, I, I guess I can see some reviewers, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is a broad statement, but you're finding it hard to find something bad to say about a game, like at, at least right. the games that have released quite recently. And, you know, taking For Honor, for example, I know that people are mostly playing that game for the, for the multiplayer, but... I've been sure. playing that game for the single player, and it's been a great experience. If you actually play it, it has a very interesting story. And the gameplay, of course, is, is its highlight. Um, and I, I find it difficult to find something bad to say about that game. I find, some, I find it difficult to f- find something bad to say about Resident Evil. Maybe the, the frame drops at times, but overall, that's a pretty good game. Where This year's, even though there hasn't been, like, I guess, a... a a huge, huge blockbuster games. Like we've had Legend of Zelda, for example, but we haven't had like crazy, huge AAA games. But we've still had amazing games that have come out that are somewhat mid to, to higher tier. And, and, and I think yeah. it's really great to see, like Horizon Zero Dawn. Who would have thought that that would have been the game that it was? I haven't played it personally, but I can see the the positive things that are being said about it. It looks incredible. Yeah, it, I mean, and I think Horizon Zero Dawn. If I'm I, I don't think I'm incorrect on this. I think I just saw a thread where that thing sold like classic t- numbers, like insane numbers. That's, as, that's as, yeah. And to one console. That's another thing to remember. These are not third yeah. party games. These are, you know, a lot of these are coming out to either the PS4 or prior to that, the Xbox One. So you're seeing, you know, particular consoles having this. And yeah, it's dude, it's awesome. Also, the fact that like you're mentioning, let's say, you know, the single player campaign for For Honor and then you have the single player campaign for for Titanfall Mm. two that are both really good, that unique style of campaign that I don't think is amazing, but is still really good in Battlefield. You have you have these situations where I'm going to be honest, many times those games didn't have even a single player component prior. Mm. I mean. Titanfall 1 did not have a sin- true single player. It just had the fucking tutorial stuff. And the, no, yeah, you're the, right. And, and, yeah, and I tell you what, that Titanfall 2 campaign was amazing. And I, and I would have loved to have seen one in the original Titanfall because I, I don't know whether it's fair to say that all games need a, need a single player because I don't believe that. I think if a game does multiplayer really well, like Overwatch, then that's fine, right? But when right. a game does have good components of both, that's a really awesome thing to see because sometimes I don't want to play multiplayer. I just want to play a single player campaign, even if it's six to ten hours long. If I buy you know a ninety dollar game because it's not eighty to ninety dollars in Australia and play a Jesus. single player, I know, I know, Jesus. and then play a single player game for up to ten hours, I'm happy with that. Some people might not right. be, but I personally am. Yeah, no, I mean I agree. It's like it's been it's been pretty cool to see this change come about. Um, you know, we see the opposite, unfortunately, like, let's say, Ghost Recon Wildlands, where the single player isn't very good, um, but multiplayer is really good. But overall, what we are seeing, it, at least to me, is a lot of companies realizing how important it is. Well, for example, a game that a lot of people didn't like, but I did. And so people can call me a shill, whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but uh, I loved Infinite Warfare's Battlestar Galactica style campaign. Oh, I, I, dislikes dude, coming. I, 
what'd you say <laughs> dislikes are coming on this video <laughs> yeah um it, it, it i just the single player the campaign the Battlestar feel of it was really fun to me was and it's funny because i have a lot of people who are like dude I don't agree with you. And just now recently they did a sale and people had bought it and were like, holy shit, this single player is fun like that. Yeah. But but, it, you know, a lot of the old hates get get added. Um, but it's cool to see a lot of the companies doing something different. And and we're sort of being rewarded by it. And, hmm. you know, Neo, I don't think I think I always expected Neo to do good, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it was because yeah. I I fucking fell in love with Neo. Uh, Near is another title. Near. If you had told me Near would be scoring higher than Horizon t- uh, two weeks ago, I would have been like, "Wait, what?" And when I scored it, people <laughs> were like, "This fucker's lying," and I'm all, "No, it's that good." And then, and then it was like every other pe- person who started dropping reviews was like 9.5. And that game is phenomenal. Who would have thought? Yeah. Like that. It's a platinum title. I would have assumed it would have done well, but not as well as it did. Yeah. So Sorry. while we're on this topic of you know newer games that are coming out that and they're being good, you you mentioned a game that we were going to talk about later, but you can talk about it now. So Ghost Recon Wildlands, you've done a review. <laughs> you've done a review on it. I I I haven't played it, so I'm just going to ask a bunch of probing questions. Sure. What are your it. general thoughts on that game first? <laughs> I think that um, there's actually. And I said this in the review, but, you know, people are pretty binary, but it's it's not that it's necessarily bad. It's that it's bland. So it's like it's like Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon bland bland lands in a way <laughs> like it's it, it and and the dynamic there's no dynamic in that title that or narrative that really steers you away from seeing the gameplay mechanisms at work, you know. Yeah. If you talk to any developer, they're going to tell you right away, lying and fooling the gamer is the number one thing you want to do. And because you, you want them to feel like you're lying, you're, you're, it's a fiction. You're trying to sell your fiction. Hmm. That game does not sell fiction very well at all. In fact, in some of the quests, uh, some of the missions, sorry, you'll see people just spawning right in front of you. Like there's a lot of and, – and there's no narrative to hide that. There's, and, yeah. and what happens is you can see the mechanism a little too easily. However – if you get some friends in, just like I said in the review, if you get four people in and you're just fucking going, I mean, incredibly fast down a hill in your suburban and you're following a convoy firing, there are a few games that don't feel that cool. I mean, it's like America. Fuck. Yeah. You're just like, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, it, you have those moments. But as a complete narrative, as a complete thing, I just felt it pretty bland. So I, I will ask the question relating to that. There are games that are out there that obviously, as you said, they play really well when you have a bunch of people with you, but when you're playing it on your own, it can be a bit boring. The, the yeah. game that I always refer to when we're talking about this subject is the very first Borderlands. I played that game on my own and returned oh, it. Oh, right. right? Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I returned it because I'm thinking, this is boring. Like, what, what am I doing? And then my mate's like, you know what? No, buy it again and we'll play it together. It'll be a blast. And that was probably the best decision that I've ever made because now I, I played Borderlands 1, Borderlands 2, a little bit of the pre-sequel, and it's been an amazing franchise when you play it with friends. Like the, right. I think the way you're meant to, to play it. Is Ghost Recon Wildlands similar to that? Do you think it could have longevity being a game that you play with your friends and have a lot of fun with? Sorry if you can hear the uh, lawnmower in the background. Um, <laughs> so w- when it comes down to what I think, I just think that Wildlands is one of those titles that when you look at it, uh, across it, what it offers, right? Yeah. Like what the, the, the different bits it offers. It is where it is. It shows us that, well, for example, actually, let's scratch that. If you look at Division, if you look at other Ubisoft games, Siege, both of those games started out and didn't do so well 
there was a lot of issues that they're starting. And over time, Ubisoft has gone and, and really picked those up and, yeah. and fixed those. I think Wildlands is a good skeleton, but I think that unfortunately you can see a lot of issues that you couldn't see in Division. For example, in Division, um, the way the, the maps are created and their narrative, the way it was set up, you couldn't see somebody spawn as easy. You did sometimes, but yeah. here, because you're playing 500 miles of, you know, you can see people for 500 miles, right. you can see them spawn into existence. And so I think that hopefully, yes, it's fun with multiplayer, but I think it will get even more fun both in both single player and multiplayer when Ubisoft sees the consumer, what they like and don't like, and mm. sort of fixes some stuff. So it there's has some, some potential. legitimate things. Yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, awesome. All right. So do you have any lingering thoughts on Ghost Recon Wildlands? Would you play it again like after your big review, or are you, are you pretty much done with it? Uh, okay. <laughs> so I did. I did try to play it. I, I posted on Twitter the sad story. But yeah. basically, I got some people together, and about 20 minutes into it, all three of them said, I would rather go read a book. I'm done. No way. Yeah, and those are people who purchased it. So, Fuck. you know, I know that people like this. Don't don't think just because I'm saying this that it's not good. It's just my opinion, and yeah. I was the one who wanted to play. I'm like, hey, everybody, let's play. I was having a good time, and they started pinging me, and they were like, I'm, this, is, this is just not that fun. I'm going to go do something else. And I was like, whoa, mm. okay. So I would personally play it again, but I would have to be with like you, Maddie, like knowing that you're with friends and yeah. just sitting, sitting back, knowing the AI is not going to be good at all and just plunking people from 100 yards out. And mm. I would, yeah, I, w- I would certainly do that. Yeah, have a beer while you're playing it. That, that sounds yeah. like a great night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, some people are stressed out. One guy told me, he's like, dude, I don't have time for narrative. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't have the time to, to for stories. So for me, Wildlands what? is great because I just sit down and play. Yeah, you know, some people are mentally really tired after work. They don't want to think about a story or do a puzzle. They just want to fucking shoot somebody in the face. You know what? And like, that, I'm that's, okay with that's that. That's a really weird thing to me because I, I and I, and I'm not saying I'm old or anything, right? But you know, I, over the years. I've started to find myself drifting towards watching more Netflix and watching more uh-huh. uh, TV series because I'm finding myself more interested in interesting stories. And I'm finding that exact same thing with games. If a game, no matter how fun the gameplay is, if it doesn't have an interesting story to grip me, it, it just won't stand out in my mind. And the, ga- right. the perfect example of that, as great of a game it was, was Doom. The single-player game was f- super oh, fun to play, yeah, a lot of great right. shooting, but that story was just not, in, in, you know, compelling at all. You, you get to the end. I won't spoil what the ending was, but it it just didn't have a twist. It, it wasn't gripping. But it, it's weird because that's kind of in complete contrast to the to the guy that you mentioned, who just after he finishes a long day of work, just wants to shoot something. Yeah, I'd love to just shoot something, but that doesn't interest me on its own anymore. Like I, I'm more interested in an actual narrative right. now. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I the one thing I think Wildlands has going for it is they did remove a lot. Not all. They yeah. removed a lot of the Ubisoft. Let's go collect a fucking feather. Um, oh, they didn't God. do it as good. They didn't do it as good as Horizon, which I think literally nails it. Like they did such a good job yeah. in 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 understanding that Wildlands does a pretty good job. Um, but I think you're right. Like I would say I agree in many ways with you that that's sort of how I feel where if I if there's not a lot of narrative to sort of fool me, I start to just I depending on the game, because I don't need a narrative in, you know, some car game or something. Yeah, of course. But yeah, yeah. 
But if it's a particular game, there there is some type of narrative I need. And if that falls to the wayside, I would agree that I start to lose interest over I mean, time. Even if it's just to somewhat push the story along. And I'll, I'll uh, give an example now. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Based on the same characters it's always been. Based on the exact same story arc it's always been. You're saving Hyrule from Ganon, blah, 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 blah. It's not really that interesting. The only thing that's somewhat pushing it along is what happened 100 years ago to Link. You need to find out. That's all there yeah. is, but that's enough for me. You know, it's, it's, it's at least something that's pushing me through the story that makes all the other gameplay bits a, a little bit more compelling and fun because it's moving towards something as opposed to just killing enemies for killing enemies' sake. And I think it's all the some of its parts kind of thing, too, because a game may have great narrative, may have pretty good gameplay, but one thing sort of doesn't work for one gamer that works for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, for example, AI, I know a lot of people who follow me know that I test AI and I test it very I religiously. I actually have steps that I test for <laughs> AI and I will say in a review this failed four of the five steps because I programmed AI. So it's like some things I know to watch out for. And yeah. I get that some people may you you like a particular thing. I like a particular thing. Um, I think I don't think it's because you're old. I think what happens is I, I think it's also your experiences with other games. And what happens, we, we have a tendency to judge one title against 50 others. Mm-hmm. And that's in the genre. We always do that. Well, it doesn't have as good of this as this. That's unfair, right? Yeah, uh, I try not to do that. But what still happens is you sort of know in the back of your mind, you're like other games have done this way. It's, better. it's subconscious, like, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, come on now. You know, yeah. we, we we can't keep this shit up. And Zelda is a title that, let's be honest, if it didn't hit the marks, you would be complaining about Zelda. So yeah. it does hit the marks that you expect. Um, for me, Wildlands didn't. And um, yeah, it's I, funny I, I mean, how you talk about you, you can't really prevent yourself from comparing a game to another game. I literally just saw an article about <laughs> this is their opinion. This is the headline. But. Skyrim did things better than Breath of the Wild because it's obvious that Breath of the Wild is somewhat modeled on what a lot of things you could do in Skyrim and people have instantly made that connection and are making the comparisons. Is it necessarily gotcha. fair? Maybe not, but it, it goes to your point. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to read that article because I don't... Mm, yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying yeah, that people a, that's are making comparisons. Order. I, yeah, I tell you yeah, what, though, sure. just just cooking food in Breath of the Wild is just fucking fun. <laughs> I know that's weird to say, but I'm like, dude, I got an apple, I got a mushroom, I'm gonna put this together and sell it for fifty rupees and Let's buy an do armor. what I do every single night, <laughs> <laughs> but in a game. Uh, I remember it's okay. I was on a train commuting, and it was like a thirty minute train ride, and all I did was fucking cook food and and hunt for food. It, was it happens, man. It's like it, it, it. I don't know why, but sometimes that grabs. And if it's done well and it feels like rewarding, you can just spend hours doing it. Like, and, and, and you know, even subconsciously or consciously, you know, you're like, this is a game play mechanic. Like, I'm taking one item and mixing it with another <laughs> item. This should not be as fun as it is, but, but it, is. it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All righty. So moving on to the, to the next topic, Elder Scrolls Legends. So it's recently come out of beta as a full PC launch. There's also an article on Bethesda.net that I'll somewhat read off of. So they, it's been almost a year since they revealed Elder Scrolls Legends, and they've built the game, this is what they, they are saying, into a strong, fun experience for Elder Scrolls and strategy card game fans alike. The feedback we've received from the player community has been invaluable, and we are grateful. And where are we today? We are officially launching Elder Scrolls Legends. We are pleased to announce that the PC version of Legends is now out of beta. So I wanted to ask you, Carrick, uh, and obviously because this is this podcast is somewhat involving Bethesda to an extent, um, 
have you played or have, are you interested in Elder Scrolls Legends? Do you like those strategy card games at all? I do, but um, I'm already burnt out on the copycats of like Hearthstone copycats and okay. stuff like that. And so uh, I, I do. I, there's, I've done a couple reviews for free to play on my uh, channel for various different ones. So it's not that I don't like them. It's that I sometimes really do feel like people are shoehorning in their fiction into a particular genre. And I'm not 100 percent sure. Like it just didn't resonate with me when I played it. Like I, it's not the reason why I like Elder Scrolls. Well, isn't this the exact same argument people were saying for Elder Scrolls Legend? Sorry, Elder Scrolls Online when it first came out. They were kind of shoehorning that game into 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 multiplayer. Yeah, no, exactly right. And some people were saying, well, you know, that's not what Elder Scrolls is about. But now, would you look at it like now? If if Elder Scrolls Online released as it is now, back back in its launch, I think it would have gone over a hell of a lot better because it's an amazing game now. Like at, at least from what I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know because. Um, there's there's far more similarities between an MMO that fights pretty much the same way as Skyrim, sure, which has sure. never had the best combat in the world, and uh, you've got that, and then and then you have this jump to a card game. So I mm. think that there's a, a little bit of a bigger split there, yeah. just gameplay wise. But for me, it um, it doesn't interest me enough to continue playing it at all. I I haven't spent thousands of hours on it though. Yeah. It's interesting though because you know you're saying essentially Elder Scrolls it's it's make that it's made that leap to a card game where maybe it's not the best fit. But then you look at like The Witcher for example that had this inbuilt card game mechanic Gwent. in Gwent that makes a lot more sense. When you look at the right. I, I know this is really weird to bring up, but I've been playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links on my phone. That's a game that's a, it's it's built up as a card game or at least like. Uh, Gwent, it was built in mm-hmm. within the context of a much broader game. So, right. what, like, if Elder Scrolls itself had, like, a mini card game, even like New Vegas did with the, I, I can't even remember what the card game was called in that, but if they had a mini card game that they released as a, as a smaller game like Legends, would that have made more sense? Like, or are, are yeah. they just trying to make too much of a leap with Elder Scrolls Legends? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, I definitely think um, that's one of the reasons why Gwent worked was, well, first of all, the game works pretty well. Like yeah. even in Witcher 3, it, it was fairly playable. Yeah. And I think that what happens is you have an activity, almost like cooking, where you have an activity and you want to do more of it. Well, you jump into Zelda to cook, but that's not all Zelda offers. Yeah. What happens with Gwent or what happens with Elder Scrolls is they might like a card game and, and Gwent and they're like, oh, somebody is just doing the card game as a game. That's great because I like the card game and I spend hours playing it. Mm. What happens with Elder Scrolls exactly like you said. It's like there is no card game. <laughs> it's just a jump. It's like, wait, what? And and the rules, there, there's no fit. There's no – none of it really makes sense. It's just an additional title to sort of feed off of, of Elder Scrolls popularity. And I don't have a problem with that. It's just yeah. – it, it doesn't cause me to fictionally be interested in it and go, ooh, I wonder what's going on in that game. So you wouldn't pick it up again after it's come out of beta? No. Mm-mm. No, fair enough, fair enough. All would, right. Would you? Would you? <sighs> you know what? I mean, what do you... Probably not. Pro- uh, honestly, yeah. like, for me, like, card games aren't really my thing. Unless we're talking about, like, Yu-Gi-Oh!, something that I've grown up with as a child. I, yeah. I don't see myself jumping into any card game. Like, even the when, when I was collecting... Pokemon cards as a kid. I never played the thing. I just collect the cards because they were cool to look at. Like, and I'm sure garbage mail kids. kids. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. <me>. Right, <laughs> collect them. And yeah. I, I never played the actual game. The, the only card game that I probably played as a kid, as I collected the cards, was Yu Gi Oh. But even then, it was more just to collect them 
and look at the right. pretty colors. And, and that sounds really shallow, but it's just not me as a gamer. So I, I don't think I'm in a fair place to judge that game because I'd probably be a little bit too critical. Because to me, like I, I'm not really into Hearthstone card games like that. So I I have pretty much very, very little interest in playing it. But I know that a lot of people do, so I try to be as yeah. fair as possible in my in my questions that I ask. Yeah. So one of the last topics that we're going to be talking about, but it's not fucking launching on my phone, are the BAFTA Award nominations for 2017. And I guess we can have a little bit of discussion. There's a bunch of different awards, right? Like Evolving Game, Debut Game, British Game, Audio yeah. Achievement. So we don't really need to go into all the awards, but I want to list off the nominees for Best Game. Wait, uh, I have to ask a question. Yes. Did you say that there are they freaking... British game? What? Yeah, British. So I'll read the awards just so if you okay. if you want to know, right? So they got artistic achievement, fair enough. Audio achievement, fair enough. Best game, British game, debut game, evolving game, family game design, game innovation, mobile. It's a lot. This is a lot of awards. Multiplayer, music, narrative, original property, performer, and BAFTA ones to watch. What? Okay, there's, a, there's an award that's like BAFTA ones to watch award in association with Dare to be Digital. What the hell is that? And then AMD Esports Audience Award, which is, okay, that's, that's more of an esports awards in, award yeah. in general. Um, so a lot of awards, but yeah, maybe because BAFTA, I, I think BAFTA is a, uh, a British organization. So maybe that's why they're trying to, uh, I guess, prop up British games. And I, I think that's fair. Um, but the best game, all right, so people, or oh, the games that have been nominated include Firewatch, Inside, Overwatch, Stardew Valley, Titanfall 2, which I'm great to see, great to see, and Uncharted 4. What do you think of that list of the nominees for the best game? Well, I, okay, so there's two things. One, I like the fact that they, they there's some... I mean, there's a lot of variables in there. Inside is completely different than Uncharted 4, which you see sometimes in game awards, where yeah. it'll be like, three different shooters for like best graphics and you'll be all come yeah. on there were other games there were other fucking games out there that had good graphics yeah. that weren't shooters um but overall none of those is, is that and that's for what game best game of the best year Best game so this is i it's not game of the year but i i'm assuming it's the equivalent award man i, I hmm. <laughs> i mean there, there's a lot of games that i would probably replace a couple of those with like, um, like, like what for example well, for oh man, people are gonna hate me. Uh, <laughs> I, I I really tried to to play in like inside. Yeah. Uh, um. A, like I thought I would. That game just did not work for me. Uh. So this is just me, my okay. opinion. I would I would have switched out inside with something else. But mm-hmm. um, it, it it's I will give them uh, honestly. I got to give them a kudo for being eclectic because they actually do have a good overall group. I'm surprised. Um. What's the car soccer game? Oh, um, Rocket League. Rocket League, isn't wasn't that? See, wasn't I don't that? know when that actually released because it oh, seems right, I, you know, right, I think that right. no, I think that was part of of the Game of the Year award nominations for the last period because I, I, I do remember seeing that a lot. But yeah, no, that is a great game. But yeah, yeah, for me, I, mean, I look at that li- this list and I'm thinking usually with Game of the Award Year nominations that I've seen um, for 2016, it's always right. a, a a fight between Uncharted Four. And Overwatch, and I see people on the internet arguing about this. What? Why is Uncharted Four not getting this award? I think a little bit is down to fanboyism. Overwatch is just a, a, a multiplayer game; it doesn't even have a single player. Blah 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 blah. I wanted to ask you this question: Do you think that a game that is just multiplayer, and, and I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it just to ask the question, deserves to be on a game of the year game of the year award list or the best no. game list if it's just <laughs> yeah. multiplayer? 
Of course. I yeah. mean, that would be like saying if a game is just football, can it? St- I mean, no, sh- yeah. should it be a game of the like that? Yeah, it, it, it's what what it tries to do, aim and deliver. And if it does so incredibly well, for example, Rocket League. Yeah. Um, then does I can guarantee. Well. Yeah. yeah, I can guarantee you that if somebody were to say Rocket League versus any of the other games that came out when it came out. Uh, I would have no problem with Rocket League being on there, but there's no guns yeah. uh, there. Well, or maybe there are guns, actually. But um, yeah, there's stun stuff. But yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I can see why people might have a problem with it. But I think usually what that boils down to is they don't want competition for the game that they want to win. Mm-hmm. No, of course. <laughs> it's in the list. As I know. said, it's down to a little bit of fanboyism. There's a lot it of is. PS4 fans out there. And that's why Game of the Year award. I keep stumbling when I say that. Uh, let's say Best Game of uh, the Year awards always kind of have that fight between oh this is my console exclusive but that's why they're not based on popularity because if they were based on popularity it'd be a redundant uh it would contest right but yeah i I think touching on this subject i'd like to see the notion of all games needing single player to kind of go away because i don't think that's true anymore i think like with rocket league overwatch a game can just be a multiplayer game just as much as it can be just a single player game and still be a great game and still do very very well i i don't like to see games that try and do a bit of both that fail not necessarily even fail in both regards because you know how development works doing one uh, feature yeah. will take away resources from resources, the other feature, yeah. right? It, it's just bound to happen. So when a game like, let's say even Doom, Doom had a great single player, which is what it was known for, um, somewhat, and then they had this multiplayer that no one really liked. Imagine if they, even though the single player was great, imagine if they just put all the eggs into that one basket and did an right. even, even better single player. I think that would have worked out much better as opposed to a game trying to do a little bit of both just to, I, I guess, fulfill this somewhat arbitrary definition of what a game should be? Well, no, I mean, that's right. And like you you already mentioned, the same thing with single player. Does it have to have multiplayer? Uh, yeah, does it have to have so. single player? I don't think so either. And I think that I w- I'm even more worried about companies thinking that it has to have multiplayer because I've seen games where the single player is great. And you play the multiplayer and you're like, dude, this is just a, a fucking arena title with some skins from the main characters in here. It's like you skinned every character in the game and you threw them on a model and you just said, here's a multiplayer. And, and, and use so, the same map as you had in the single player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come, come the fuck on. And those resources could be used for, you know, and here's the thing. And this is just my focus. So this is yeah. why I'm speaking just for me. But if, if those resources are, are, coming out with a fairly bland, not very good multiplayer or single player, whichever the, the may, may be, mm. I would rather see that money go into sound music and voice yeah. and, 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 and get better voice actors, uh, get better sound, uh, you know, spend some money on those kind of things, spend some money on music because the, the focus when you split it like that, and especially with a different, you know, it's a completely different mode. Yeah. If it's not done well, usually it's throwaway. And I, a lot of developers I talk to when I ask them, I'm like, do you regret that? Because I have asked, I have asked quite a couple, quite quite a few developers. Like, do they regret adding? And most of them will almost always say, yeah. Like, yeah, of course they do, because they, they the servers. There's nobody on the servers for the multiplayer, but people still talk about the single player. I, I tell you it. what, the, the one example, and I can't go on podcast without mentioning this game, but it's so relevant to this topic is what? Bioshock 2's multiplayer. I don't know if you oh, ever. Played I forget that. it's got multiplayer. I no, I forgot. <laughs> So I, I had some great exp- like look. I played that multiplayer just to get the achievements for the game because that was in my one hundred percent achievement days. I need to play uh, this game just to get the achievements. 
So I played it, I played it with a friend, and I had fun in that regard. But when the Bioshock Remastered came out and it said Bioshock 2 did not have the multiplayer, I was like, you know what? I get it. Because that was never a good fit for that game. The multiplayer, right. it, it has some fun aspects here and there, but no one was playing it. The only way that in Australia we could play that game and find a lobby is if we waited until 1 to 2 a.m. when Americans started to wake <laughs> up. And, yeah. and they would get angry at us because we have shit ping. So it, it, <laughs> it wasn't a fun experience. And, and that's a perfect example of a game that, look, just do your single player well because as Doom, as Wolfenstein, as these kinds of games have shown... There's still a big audience there for just a great single-player game. Not everything needs a multiplayer. And, and also, not every multiplayer needs a single-player. And, and I kind of wish that people would stop looking at a game like Overwatch in, in lesser of a light just because it doesn't have a single-player, because I think that's absurd. It, no, it is. I mean, it is absurd. And we, I'm actually going to be doing an interview with uh, Derek. Um, I think his name's Derek Brown. He's the uh, Aurora 44. He's making a Xbox exclusive called Ashen. There, it's like oh, a you Zelda game. About that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I'm doing an interview with him and another open world game designer at the same time. And one of the things we're going to talk about is like, you know, where your resources go. You know, where do you want to spend them? Where do you not want to spend them? And one of the things that came up in this preliminary discussion was uh, where some of those resources should go in a game that doesn't need multiplayer. For example, you have a game like Resident Evil 7 where mm-hmm. the boss battles can change. Each mm-hmm. boss battle, they can do, the bosses can do particular things. I would much rather have more of that, right, than, than a multiplayer mode in, in, in whatever game you're talking about. I want to see games like Doom where it doesn't just have your difficulties, but it has a rearranged mode where you hit it and crazy shit happens. Yeah. I want to see those kind of things. And, and unfortunately talking to any de- de- developer, they'll, t- they'll tell you, you know, resources for testing and stuff. Yeah. We're not, al- we're not allowed that. Well, great. Drop your multiplayer that we all know is going to be dropped anyway. Yeah. And, and make that single player, uh, you know, so engaging that replayability isn't really a question. It's a, if it's, yeah. it's not like, it, or, or it's a win, sorry, not an if it's where somebody's like, okay, that you know that that this next level difficulty rearranges everything, and mm. I, I want to play that. I want to play it where the enemies shoot different projectiles. Uh, there's a couple games when I was growing up where if you beat the game, your next mode you could choose had like enemies that shot other enemies' projectiles, and it <laughs> sounds stupid, but that was so awesome because you'd go into a place and you'd, you'd see an enemy and think, oh, they attack in these three ways, mm. and instead they were attacking with other characters, you know, projectiles, and you yeah. know, and you were like, oh, shit, I got to rearrange my brain. So, yeah, I mean, the resources there, I would much rather see go into devs creating what matters and is what the main attraction of the game is. You know, and, and I think that games that just have single player, I think a new game plus can work in almost yeah. all circumstances. I, I think a big example for me is Ratchet & Clank that I used to play for on sure. the PlayStation. When you finish that game, you can... Because like, I vaguely remember that game how you could level up your weapons, and then when you finish the game, you level them up all again. And I'm like, this is awesome! Like, this gun is shooting 3,000 projectiles now. And it's probably, like, much different to what I remember, but at, at least I, I do distinctly remember replaying that game just because you could get better guns. And even that, for some people, is enough of a motivator to replay a game. You don't necessarily need different story elements or different choices, but that does help in terms of replayability. But something to allow people to go back into that game because there's a reason for example i just watched logan on on the other weekend there's a reason why people want to watch logan again because it's a great story and people don't care that they've already watched it again and i think 
Oh, they've already watched it in the first place. And I think that a lot of games can operate in that regard, where you're yeah. playing through the same story again just because you enjoyed it so much the first time. But if there's that something extra to keep you going, and that's something extra that's a little bit fresh, whether it's new weapons, whether it's different or harder enemies, or maybe even slightly uh, smaller different side quests, or something just to keep us going, I'd much rather resources go into that as opposed to a multiplayer mode that no one's going to play anyway. Yeah, and I mean, like, for me, rearrange mode sort of the new hotness for me. Like, it's something yeah. that's, in the last, like, year has been uh, sort of a, a mode or an area where I've started to really discuss with developers, like, why why isn't this done more? What, what do you guys need? What does a developer need for the resources for that versus, say, an entire multiplayer? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's got it's got to be less, right? And then you start talking about testing, of course, on a single-player game and stuff like that. But I think that New Game Plus is great. I think rearranged modes are fantastic. But I also think that if that money from day one is not spent on multiplayer or single player, whichever we're talking about here and is spent in the core gameplay that can also help because I've seen that. And again, I have to bring up resident evil seven, but being able to see the main bosses do slightly different stuff, it it was cool. And I'm like, you know how many main bosses do that? Very rarely. I mean, Mm. almost every game you play, you know where a bad guy is. Like you'll come around a corner and be like, bad guy's going to be right there. Uh, you come around the next corner and you're like, okay, boss is going to do this attack. Then this attack, then he's going to do this. But if I jumped in and maybe on the next difficulty up, he had an extra type of attack and the next difficulty up, he had two extra types of attacks. That kind of that kind of alteration of the the basic gameplay mechanics is why I would continue to return to those far more than multiplayer, which was going to die anyway. Or would you have to play with fat Americans at 1 (laughs) a.m.? Exactly. And you know what's great? And the thing about Resident Evil is that it doesn't just do that alteration after you finish the game and you see different things. Even when you're fighting one enemy, I can't remember what they're called, but those are like, you know, glaciers from Killer Instinct, how they kind of dissolve from the ground, like those enemies, right? right? And I remember I was facing one and I was waiting for it to do its like lunge animation because once it tried to hit me, it would pause for a little bit and it would give me a chance to do like three stabs. And I would mm-hmm. keep doing that. I was walking around this table and then eventually I got to a stage where I cut both of its arms off so it couldn't do that lunge animation anymore and it just kept coming for me and it ended up killing me because there was no chance for me to actually do the exact same tactic that I've been using. Oh, right. Resident right. Evil is great in that regard. It's such a fucking fun game. So, so yeah. you're saying that with, with Resident Evil, once you finish the main campaign, the bosses are different afterwards. It's not different. It's that um, so you have I think it's called Madhouse difficulty, I think is what it is. Um, and if you pre-order the game, from what I understand, you actually get this without having to beat it. But basically uh. what that does is it's a rearranged mode. It rearranges where items are, um, sometimes the slight puzzle variances. Mm. It, I, I love it. I mean, that's and those bosses already do those crazy things, by the way. Yeah. So in, in the normal version. So, no, those those aren't added. But what I'm saying is that's what I'd like to see yeah. in other games. Yeah. Okay. I like I like what Resident Evil's done. And I, I would love to see, you know, some of my favorite games I've played. OK, for example, Maddie and I have played KOTOR. I played it well over I don't even want to say many, many times over a hundred, a <laughs> hundred times. Now, if I could, if, if I could turn on KOTOR tomorrow and there would be slightly different enemy makeups that I came into an area where I thought there would just be three Sith and there's three Sith plus a blah, blah, blah. I would be even more interested in replaying it. And those rearranged modes uh, to me are, are a focus I want to see in, in, in games moving forward and not the waste of resources in in this multiplayer crap or single player um we see it a lot of times and you what's sad is i talk to developers and i know you can at your you know with yourself and maddie can as well but when you talk to developers and you ask them most of them don't want to add it anyway 
they just flat will tell you. They'll be like, we multiplayer we're adding because people think it's needed. You know, a publisher says it has to have multiplayer. And you're like, oh, my God, are you kidding? They're like, no, man. Multiple millions went into the multiplayer that had 100 people peak currency. (laughs) You're like, how the fuck? Yeah, and, and but it happens. To a degree, I understand that if it's a big AAA developer and they have the resources to at least fund those modes. But once you're getting into to lower to mid-tier publisher and yeah. developer territory, that's when I, I personally think they should really start looking at just one mode. And even as you touched on, even if it's just a different difficulty after you finish the game, excluding right. the fact that you can probably get those modes if you pre-order, like Metro's Ranger mode or Fallout 4 survival mode, it, yep. it just changes the game. It, it makes you want to replay it again because it's different to what you had in the first place. And well, games- remember... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, games are slightly different to... to I, I mentioned watching Logan again. I, I think there is a difference there where I think people yeah. are more likely happy just to re- watch a movie again, just to experience it again, because it's only a couple of hours long. But with a game, I think it does really help to have something that a little, little bit different when you play it the second time around. Yeah, and I just want to add, I do not, and nor am I ever going to say that it's okay for a difficulty to be released as DLC like Zelda's doing. I, I, that kind of stuff. <sighs> is is so weird because you mentioned ranger and the moment you did it reminded pre-order. me of zelda yeah, yeah. pre-order uh, that kind of stuff I, I don't like that kind of thing uh I, i'm talking about like day one joe blow you know that's the thing too can even the companies they get so focused on the people who have the money the people who are going to pre-order well guess what you know some people don't some people are scrounging up you know fuck my me i couldn't get for honor for review because i didn't have the money and yeah. so so it happens to all of us and you don't have the money to get it. And in the consumer needs a good product. Don't split the resources of the product to all this random shit. Focus on what, you know, is the core of the game and build from there. And unfortunately, we do see a lot of publishers and developers. You said it, triple A's, where they'll be like, hey, we have to have multiplayer in, in Bioshock. But do you? Yeah. I mean, do you? And, and you like, know what? I hope games like Overwatch and, and Rocket League, even though they're multiplayer, I hope they've shown that a game can just stand on its own with one mode, so long as you yeah. kick ass with that one mode. And it should yeah. equally apply to a game that's just single player. And yeah. I, I, I think, for example, Wolf, when you look at Wolfenstein that did really great with its single player, and then mm-hmm. Doom that tried to, to attack on a multiplayer, if Doom just came out with a single player it would have been received, I think, even better. Because remember how much negative feedback there was with Doom during the, yeah. the multiplayer beta. There, there was huge, yeah. I was like, holy shit, like, people really hate this game. And then it came out and started getting eights and nines. I'm thinking, okay, well, you wouldn't have had that PR nightmare if you just had the single player. Yeah. No, I mean, it's true. Uh, for example, is Prey going to have multiplayer? I don't you know? think so, thank fucking Christ. Because that it, game I mean, is, exactly. is compelling as a, as a single player. And I don't, I don't even want one red cent going to a tester testing multiplayer when your, your yep. main crux of your story is the single player. And, and especially Absolutely. a game like that with transformation being such a big deal. The amount of extra stuff you could do with difficulties in that game would yeah. be, oh, man. Like there's so much cool stuff you could yeah, do. Yeah, insane. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Prey multiplayer. Like. <laughs> It, it, it's just wasted money, man. And the developers know it. You know, you talk to developers, they will tell you. They're very open about it after a game's released, of mm. course, where mm. they'll be like, yeah, we didn't, you know, that was, it was not a good, it was not a good mix for us. Shadowrun of the 360, Shadowrun, the multiplayer game. Did you ever play that? No, I didn't. I didn't. It was a shooter. And people were just like, why? 
like sometimes ideas, somebody at a, at a developer meeting should stand up and be like, um, do we want to talk about why the fuck we're doing this? Well, like, you know what game that I think that happened with too was Assassin's what? Creed. I mean, after oh, Assassin's oh. Creed, I think it was uh, Assassin's Creed yeah. 2 was the last one, even though it was the second game, that just had a single player. And then they started bringing in multiplayer and then they stopped that, as far yeah. as I know. I, I, I think, I, I can't remember which Assassin's Creed it was. Maybe it was 3 or Black Flag that stopped doing multiplayer. But I agreed with that because it was like Assassin's Creed is a single player game. Like that, that is what it is known for. And as the next game that added single play, uh, added multiplayer, I didn't play M- partly because I was in my 100% achievement phase and getting multiplayer achievements are a fucking bitch. But yeah. it's also as well because that's not what I liked Assassin's Creed for. And I'm glad they, they kind of bucked that trend. And I hope it continues down this route where people like gamers can just be happy with one really good mode. Yeah. And, and all those resources being spent on those hell save money. If if you're like, well, we're yeah. not going to spend those resources on the single player, then guess what? You still don't add multiplayer or if you, you know, or the other way around. Cause uh, I just think that whatever you need to do, whatever you're putting in the game needs to be fleshed out. And I get a lot of heat on reviews for this. Cause I'll mention something. People will be like, well, that's not a main part of the game. I'll be like, I don't care. Money was spent. It was put into the game. I can see the words. The moment I can see the words and pick that thing, it should be fully fleshed out. That's mm. the, otherwise you're, you're talking about a, just a complete shit show of a situation where you have to identify magically what really matters in a game. Like well, you, that makes no you, sense. You can't, you can't go half-hearted with a multiplayer. It, it doesn't, exactly. we, we, we've it seen doesn't work. it doesn't work. It doesn't matter what game it is because it, even nowadays, like with Call of Duty, like it, it's the kind of, they're somewhat going half-hearted with the multiplayer because it's the same thing over and over, and the numbers are, are dwindle, dwindling and dwindling. Yeah. We've seen with so many other games that if the if the multiplier is just tacked on, for the lack of a better phrase, you get low low play accounts. People just won't play the thing, and it's taking resource. It's so obvious. People are saying, "Well, they they still had a single player. They still had people working on it, but they still had resources on that mode." It, it took yeah. away from something else. And, and some people just maybe don't understand that argument, but it's a fact. When you have uh, even a couple of employees working on one thing, they can't work on something else at the exactly. exact same time. Exactly. It's not back to the future. There's no fucking time machine. <laughs> no, exactly. And if, yeah. if you rob Peter to pay Paul, uh, at some point, there will be an issue. And that, that is what happens. I mean, any any developer will say this. They've said it. GDC has had some really good, uh, speaking of, Fighting the 800-pound gorilla, Cliff Bozinski did a video called <laughs> Fighting the 800-pound gorilla, and it's it's based on his creating his new title. And the stuff he talks about is this shit. And in fact, do you know what one thing he took, one of the major things he took, Cliff took from creating his new game and getting it ready against all the other games he's created is the fact that sometimes fans are not to be listened to. And I, I thought that was really interesting. That's he was very point. open to the fact that sometimes, for example, art... He was like, you don't want to get in a tit for tat because you'll never please everybody. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's better to just be like, boom, here is what we have versus, hey, what do you think of this? Hey, what do you think of that? And those are re- and he talks about resources being spent on one element of a game in, in games he's done where he just completely did not believe in it. He was like, that it makes no sense. What, what do we that's one dollar that could be spent somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope we see more companies intelligently look at their metrics and intelligently decide what needs to go in because we can have successes mass effect three multiplayer right Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. loved it Mm -hmm. andromeda's multiplayer looks like it's going to be phenomenal so you can do it but it has to be real it has to be a mode and and people have to be 100 percent behind it 
And usually, you've just mentioned Mass Effect. It's with a developer or a publisher that has the resources to back it. Yeah. And if they don't, then just focus on one thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I would like to see. And you know what? And, and sometimes when a developer or a publisher because of resource reasons, are forced or, or want to just focus on one mode, the game shouldn't be looked at less favorably just because it has one mode. And I guess but, that's the overarching theme that I wanted to get across because we were talking about BAFTA nominations before this. When a game like Overwatch, on occasions, and it has, beats Uncharted 4, I don't want people to say, well, Uncharted 4 should have won because it has more modes because that's stupid, in my opinion. Yeah, right. So like, it's so long as the game... It's fun, and it does what it does really, really well. Forget about how many hours you can chuck into it. Forget about the number, like the physical number of modes you can count on your hand. I think that's irrelevant in terms of a Game of the Year nomination. Because if we were to go down that route, then an indie game would never win Game of the Year. And I think that's absurd, too. It's absurd, but unfortunately, it is a continually growing segment, I think, of a lot of gamers, uh, especially when it comes to bullet point style arguments, because I think a lot of people don't like it when it's not binary. It's very uncomfortable to argue a position that you're not incredibly strong with. So what happens a lot of times is you hear something, I'll get it myself. Well, this game doesn't offer me 80 plus hours of of single player. And it's and I'm like, well, wait a minute. So you have an exact like hour that this needs to not good hours, just hours. Weren't you talking about your friend that had like this tome of he opens his book and says every game needs to have 50 hours replayability, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, I I mean, first of all, you can be as militant as you want and the industry will laugh at you as other people buy games. So you can be a pariah. You can pretend like. You know, you're you're better than everybody else by holding back. But the fact is that the industry will continue to move forward without you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what needs to happen is you need to be adult about it and understand wh- like what the developers also want to create uh, and, 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 and go with that. And I don't like the yeah. idea of any of this shit where it's like where you can argue, oh, it doesn't have single player or it doesn't have as many modes. Well, guess what? You know, uh, Rocket League is one particular style of game. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that that game compared to many other AAA titles was better. Like was a better yeah. deal was like a game of the year versus them, and I, it, it requires a different type of, of discussion. And I think a lot of people are very uncomfortable with it. They just don't. It, it makes them really uncomfortable. I've had the discussion with people yeah. where you can tell they're getting uncomfortable because there's nothing they can't point at a, a bullet point and say it's got this. <laughs> and you're like, no, what do you feel? And they're like, and then they have a more difficult. Like, it becomes more difficult for them. Definitely. And maybe it's the maturity of this industry because we are newer too maybe it'll take you know another decade and, or and so. you know what yeah people people need to like even i need to think about that the games industry is still young it, it sounds oh, silly very to say but it's very young i mean yeah. when did gaming really start in the 90s yeah. maybe late it, 80s yeah i mean 93 you know sega does what nintendo don't that kind of stuff once yeah. it became sort of goofy popular yeah. i think that's sort of when it started and um, other industries are 100 years old and then or, or literature being, you know, 20,000 years. So it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. You know, we, we've got some time for for everybody to sort of come together and, and sort of have a, a collective understanding of what games have offered in the past, what they're offering now, how they're different than books yeah. and how they're different than movies and what to expect from them and how to talk about them. Because yeah, talking about, dude, I, I can't tell you how many times I'll be talking about games. And I'll be like, this person, what are they doing? Like, they're just, they're, they're like, all, <laughs> for example, I was in a discussion at GDC where people, well, fucking game. Okay, what do you mean fucking game? Like, what, what was the problem? 
<laughs> well, it had the grass texture was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But did the grass texture stop you from yeah, yeah. like, because I can mention it in the graphics section and say, eh, but fun factor is still high. That's, they, that's uh, nitpicky. They, and it, yeah, but what happens is they get caught up in those kind of discussions and then the entire game stops being talked about. And it starts being this really weird metagame of let's find little things that we dislike. But and it's you know really, it's really like, I, I think that's somewhat in part due to, and, and I don't say a lot of YouTubers do this, but you see it every now and again. Sometimes I feel that reviewers are just finding things or negative things to, to say about a game just so they don't seem like they're biased, just so they seem like they're being honest. It's like you can't really like a game nowadays without being paid off or without being biased, biased. but... That's obviously not the case. Like you don't need to constantly say a bad thing about a game just to give that illusion that you're being honest about it. Sometimes a game is just really good and you don't notice that the shadow textures aren't great when you're three meters more away from an object or, or something like that, you know? Like every now and again there's a frame drop, you mention it, right? But if you're nitpicking just for nitpicking's sake, I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, um, hey, shut up, dog. I sorry, my dog barked. Uh, oh, yeah, I, for example, I have one particular review oh. that comes up quite often, yeah. and it, the review is Dragon's Dogma, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, you're way too positive on this game." And I've listened to it, and I do mention tons of issues, but but you can tell just by the spirit of the review that I'm that I'm very happy with this game. Yeah, and and um, so a couple people have been like, "Oh, you're a shill," blah blah blah. Well, that's fine because uh, like I, I I deal with real shit. These people can talk. I deal with like people dying of cancer. I don't give a shit yeah. what some dumbass says. But the discussion is still important, which is does the reviewer, are they nitpicking? Are they or are they ignoring problems? The real issue here is, though, Lone, you and I are different. So you may say something and I may think, man, that's a nitpick. But that's certainly just the focus True. that I have versus what you have. And so what I tell people is go find a bunch of reviewers. Don't find one. Don't and me in particular. I tell people agree, this all the time. I'm like, I go because uh, I am always pushing for people to go like Cosmic Engine, for example. I'm like, at least get three or four. And here's why. Because I may not like one little thing about something, but somebody else may explain it to you in a different way. And you can get this overall gathering of information because I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know about you, dude. I, nobody in my real life do I agree with more than 50 percent of the time. You you know what? This is something that I've preached for so many years. You should never, ever, ever, ever look at one reviewer and and just trust their opinion solely on their on, on games. And that's right. not because they're lying or they're biased or anything. But as you said and you touched on, everyone has different perspectives. Everyone has different beliefs and needs and wants and and desires. So whenever you have a bunch of different people looking at one game, you're going to get the entire spectrum. That's yeah. why, for example, and I know people laughed at, at, at it when it happened, but I don't know if you remember Polygon's review of Doom. It was like the, the, the reviewer didn't seem to be that good at the game, and people were getting very angry and saying, well, you shouldn't be reviewing this game. I think that kind of review is important for people that may be not good at games. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you, well, you, you uh, need to look... I, 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 I know that's not true to its fullest extent, but I, I think that having people that aren't good at games reviewing games, people that are really good, super great at reviewing games, you know, having that broad spectrum is always a good thing because you can kind of, I guess you can gravitate towards the reviewers that are in sync with your own thoughts, but it's always right. good to judge and to test your own beliefs against someone that has a much different background to you do. And I'm not I, saying that that Polygon Doom review was good, but I'm saying it does no, serve know. a purpose. Well, I, the reason why I want to say something is because I actually did a video, it, it, uh, a rant about that particular, not the review though. See, I have no problem with their review. 
What I had a problem with was the video they showed. It was obvious the person had no clue what they were doing. Yeah. Now, now that goes into a little bit of a different situation where I'm like, you are you are not reviewing the game right now because there was a particular video they released where the person was missing every shot. Yeah. They, it looked it looked like a joke. And it honestly looked like a joke. That's I, I would rarely say that, yeah. but it looked like they were trying to prove a point. Um, but I agree with you. For example, when I review, I play every difficulty, easy, medium, hard, mm-hmm. everything, because I know some of my friends are getting their first consoles today. Yeah. Like t- today. And so they need to know how to play Assassin's Creed day one. And we have a lot of games where they'll f- forget about tutorials because they think everybody's played their games. And yeah. so some newcomer will be like, dude, so no, those are vital. Those are those are vital. But uh, I think one of the problems is is a lot of people aren't honest, too. And I, mm-hmm. I, what I mean by that is honest with their own with their own failings. Reviewers won't say, hey, I'm not good. A lot of people don't want to hear that they're not good at something. <laughs> like so. Th- so when you see this review, they don't say, oh, by the way, we don't play shooter games very often. You just see this review and people look at it and go, well, what the but you're you're not doing these particular things that you should be doing. And I think that sometimes that just comes into, unfortunately, the buyer. I don't like this, but I think the buyer does have a responsibility, unfortunately, that they have to go and glean these facts from these people and figure this out. And I think that that's unfortunate, but that is where we're at right now. Like, is this person good at first person? Do they like these kind of games? If yeah. they don't, did they like this game? And if they did, does that mean it's even better? Or do they like it because it's been generalized to the point to where a hardcore gamer won't like it? And that happens a lot yeah. where you'll get somebody go, this game's great. And people buy it and be like, oh, it's, you know, soft, it's casual, blah, blah, blah. And that's, and then you realize that's why the developer, or that's why that particular reviewer liked it. And, and you know what, in, in that particular circumstance with, for example, a reviewer that doesn't really play first-person shooter games is review, re- reviewing a first-person shooter game. What I think is important in that regard, so long as the reviewer is self-aware that they don't yeah. play FPSs, then I'm fine because I want to know their experience because there might be other people that haven't played FPSs that are just jumping into this game too. Yep. That perspective yep. is important. But what I don't want to see is the person that hasn't reviewed played fps's reviewing the fps's saying a bunch of negative things because of that fact because they don't know how to play then that's that's not good either what i want to see is their perspective of playing that kind of genre for the first time and being honest and genuine in their in their thoughts when they say look i haven't played these games so maybe i don't know how to do this properly and maybe that's why i'm not finding as much enjoyment in this particular aspect of the game but so long as they're honest about that and 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 they're self-aware then i'm fine with that because again the overall perspective is important and if you don't like watching reviewers like that then that's fine you you go see the reviews that you want to see but every now and again it's it's good to kind of watch a reviewer like that to kind of temper or i guess base your expectations off of someone else that maybe isn't a an awesome player at fps's for example yeah, do you know what's really weird? This we have a, a actual sort of example of this particular situation playing out it during a review process, which was Total Biscuit playing a particular game, uh, is Technomancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, and he was destroyed, and he said it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that, and it did. It had all the stuff he said it did <laughs> not have. But what happened was, and this happens sometimes with people who don't play the games all the way through as well. Yeah. One of the problems with your presentation as well is if you do like a quick look or if you don't play the game all the way through, because you can say, oh, this game, for example, I had somebody on a review Yakuza. I think I said this on the last podcast where they said the new Yakuza, they said the only problem with this game is that you cannot be in anybody else besides the main character. Well, guess what? You, you can. can. Yeah. 
And that's when you start going, okay, is that the review? Like no, now we need exactly to start looking right. at the truthfulness of it all. And yeah. like, are you, are you giving a real example? Is this a review or a let's play? Is this a review or a quick look? Mm-hmm. So, so you have those as well. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the only thing people like myself can do, I put out achievement pops when I can so that people can see I've completed the game during the review, like an achievement will pop yeah, up. Yeah. Um, little hints, because here's another problem. Some a reviewer will be told you can't say anything after the first chapter. I have an NDA right now that says you cannot talk about anything that happens in this game after the first chapter. So what happens is you'll get people going, oh, the person never played it. There's no later game footage. And you're and so you have the reviewer battling with all these weird expectations as well. And and so that's why I say I don't agree with my own friends more than 50 percent of the time on what games are good. Not even close. So go find a good number of reviewers that you that that have aligned. You've played a game that they reviewed and what they said aligned with what you said. And then watch them. And if they don't align, don't worry. Yeah. I always tell people, if don't you think angry. you're going to agree with me, unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, the amount of people I've told to unsubscribe is crazy. I'm just like, just unsubscribe because we won't always agree. Like huh. Maddie and I don't always agree. He he hates Primal and I hate, uh, what was it, Hardline. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it happens, right? But I mean, this, as long as you explain. Disagreement is healthy. I, 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 of I course don't, it is. I don't yeah. like people, like, when, when they see a reviewer's opinion that they don't agree with, they kind of... I guess their instinct, their primal instincts kick in and they feel the need to defend their game that they love. Like, how could you not like this game? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm just like, but that's their perspective. Like, you can't say that you're wrong because they're not wrong. That's their opinion. Sometimes when it comes to a fact in the game, like you said with Yakuza, you, you can't play as, uh, as other players and I don't like that. But when you can, that's incorrect, right? That's an incorrect fact. But when exactly. it comes down to someone's opinion, someone's opinion can't be wrong unless it's based on an underlying fact or premise that is actually incorrect, which incorrect. a lot of the times <laughs> it isn't, right? So, right. It, it, like you said, you know, find your group of reviewers that you your thoughts generally align with, even though right. not in all instances you're going to be agreeing with them because you won't. Even though generally you might align with them, there's going to be cases where they'll disagree with what you think. But I think as well, it's, it's important. If you genuinely want to get a great look, like an overall perspective about a game, you need to have those one or two or three reviewers that in a lot of instances you don't agree with, but just to see what they're saying. Because then when you have discussions with other gamers that are like, well, I don't really like this. I don't like this game. And you're thinking, well, how the fuck do they think that? And then maybe, oh, they don't play these games that often. They have a different perspective. And you understand why some people either like or don't like a game that you might like or don't like. Well, and dude, I mean, the honest truth, you, your guys' channels are based on it. But Fallout, Fallout 3 for me, it was this way because I yeah. couldn't believe anybody who said they liked it. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> I, I, I told Maddie. I still remember the first time I turned it on. I looked at Cadiz and I'm like, dude, this is a brown simulator. It's just simulating the color brown. It's terrible. It's it's ugly. It looks nasty. And I I I kept reading everybody's reviews and yeah. and I, I'm big into that. I'm like, okay, something. You know, what am I missing? What's yeah. going on here? Am, am I just not liking it, or am I truly not getting it? And what happened was, luckily, I had a Fallout fan who said. Just get through the first part, turn left and start walking and see what happens. And yes. I'm like, well, and go, and go where? And he's like, no, no, just no, go. don't go anywhere. <laughs> just just walk. So I was like, OK, no problem. And without that one person saying that, I don't know how long, if ever, I would have returned to w- one of my favorite games of all time. And um, and and that one instance is enough to completely make me always do that because 
I would never have got those 600 hours of Fallout 3 amazing times if I hadn't listened to that one person. So from now on, every game I do that. You I'm know, like, you know what? Something very similar actually happened to me, not in the same regard, but I played Fallout 3 once through and I uh-huh. put it down. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine with that. And I sure. never even considered it close to being one of my favorite games or anything like that. Because you know what I did on my first playthrough? I powered mm. through it, just did the main quests. Oh, and right, then right. I was like, I was in my, you know, finish every game achievements phase. And I replayed it to get all the achievements. Forced to do every side quest. Forced to do every little thing and explore as much as possible. Discover 50 locations was one of the achievements, for example. And that forced me to actually play the game as it probably should be played when you're just exploring and not just treating it like a single-player narrative game, which it's not. And that right. made me absolutely adore the game. And even though I wasn't told to do that, I did that on my own volition. But it's very similar to you. Once you're told, like, this is why the game is good. You should be doing this and, and, and try and experience that. You can yeah. actually become much more self-aware and think, well... I was an idiot beforehand, now wasn't I? And and I experienced the exact same thing with Borderlands in the past as well. So yeah, I'm completely yeah, that was with a good example. That. Borderlands, yeah, it's it's crazy, and I'm I, that's why I'm always telling people it's like go go find go find somebody who aligns, but don't always believe them. You know, don't, yeah. not don't believe them, but don't always assume that if they dislike something or like something, you will. And what'll happen is, for the most part, uh, I personally think people will just become like more knowledgeable. And I don't necessarily think there can be anything negative from that. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, as long as you're knowledgeable on those titles, you can explain why you don't like something. Cause I know people who don't like fallout three Yeah. and, and, and that's fine as long as they can, you know, explain why. And it, I just think all it does is help the industry. If yeah. you have intelligent consumers, knowledge uh, that, is power. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, tempered with a little bit of uh, control in how you deliver it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for example, a game like Fallout, you and I, I mean, I don't know how many hours, I said 600, but it's more than that, that I've spent. I can't condense that into a 15-minute review. So check out oh, 10, yeah. 10 reviews, and you'll get a better understanding of everything that a title offers. Definitely. All righty, so we've been here for about an hour and a half. I think this is a good place to, to end it. Carrick, thank you Excellent. so much for joining yeah, uh, that was a blast, man. Yeah, definitely. So uh, next week is actually the episode 100 of the Ham Radio podcast. Hopefully, we can organize something special for you there. Maddie will be back on then. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for watching until this point. And until next time, I'll end it the way that I end my videos. This has been Alone Vault Wanderer and Carrick. As always, keep fighting the good fight.